unimaginable power, unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. Welcome to the Whovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. Colin is in the house. Remembrance of the Daleks, which is the first story from series or season 25 of the classic episode, is what were of the series. I can't talk today. Oh, that's okay. Well, <laughs> you, you don't need to talk. You, you've seen this, you know, 20 times or so <laughs> this throughout is... your life. So, Michael, I have a question for you. Oh, what dear. do you remembrance most about <laughs> Remembrance of the Daleks? I think one of my most vivid memories of this episode has to be um, the the, por- the part where the Dalek is rising up on the stairs and going after the Seventh Doctor. Now, it's not the first time we actually see the Daleks going upstairs or elevating, I should say, because that was Revelation of the Daleks. But this is the first time where we actually see movement up the stairs. And that's kind of significant in the fact that the Daleks were always defeated by a flight of stairs in every other Doctor Who story in the past. So this is kind of one of those where everybody was like, finally, we actually get to see the action. It turns up the heat and makes it more menacing. And, and honestly, my first encounter with Doctor with uh, Daleks you know, coming to stairs was them overcoming it pretty quickly in New Who. I didn't realize that this had been, you know, revealed in in much earlier times as well. But I think then, you know, it does elevate the Dalek to more of a threat. And I think the Daleks are elevated to more of a threat too. We we have, you know, the... I think it was like the special unit Dalek or something that's pretty much like just an armored tank with like a huge, you know, cannon um, in front of it. Which is pretty awesome, and I, I thought, you know, at least for the time, had, had some pretty decent effects, you know, towards it, too. The well, Dalek battle? The right when we got, we got the skeleton when people get shot by the Daleks, that, that was new in this one. I was yes, like, that was, and that was the original effects. That was not, that's not been enhanced since the 1980s, and so that was actually that really effect, well you know, is, is still what's used today, really, with... I, I think that the special effects on this one, I mean, they were some of the explosions were so bad that people were calling into the police saying so they're they're under attack or there's bombing going on. They didn't I think know you mean the we, explosions were so good. Yeah, no, they were. <laughs> uh, oh, that's true. I mean, they were so menacing, I guess you might say. Yes. Uh, people were like, oh my gosh, what's going on? Nobody knew, but they, they could definitely f- feel it around uh, London uh, at the time. Because, I mean, practically, some some of those explosions were, for Doctor Who standards, more like A-Team style or Rambo. So we, we had some pretty good And there were a lot of them. There were a lot of them. But especially the door. When the door was completely blown to smithereens, oh, yeah. that was the one that really apparently got a lot of people calling up saying, What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, practical effects. This, this one looks amazing. 
Um, I I think you've got a decent, a very amazing cast. I mean, that girl good acting all around. And, and you the got little a good, girl. You got a good story too, because like we finally got because we saw before. You know, we heard about the Daleks. You know, having different factions or whatever. But this is an all-out civil war going on. Well, it started in. It kind of started. Um, sort of in Resurrection of the Daleks, when Davros started trying to get some of the Daleks on his side by rearranging their brains, basically. Um, it's not until Revelation of the Daleks when you see the two actual factions, White Daleks versus the Grey Daleks, basically. Um, you've got the Imperial Daleks, which are white, and Davros's new Daleks, and then you've got the original Daleks, um, otherwise known as Renegade, I guess you could say. Yeah, um, but basically, they, and they look cooler, let's be real. The Renegade Daleks. Well, the black one especially. Everybody loves the black Dalek. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, but this, yeah, the, the plot line for this particular story, I mean, compared to season 24, we've stepped the bar up tremendously higher. Um, this is obviously typically regarded as Sylvester McCoy's greatest story, although I will say that sometimes I feel like it could be a little bit overblown in its amazingness to some degree but there is a lot of amazing stuff here so i just there is but it's also like where we see the doctor like really go dark you know in the seventh doctor he had a lot of slapstick comedy and <laughs> before this point and he is like manipulating everyone in this story and being like real harsh and brutal towards the daleks i mean he makes them blow up their own planet <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I like a little darkness in and my doctor. And starts the time war. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the darkness in my doctor because, honestly, there is a lot of darkness to the doctor. You know, you're there for so long, you have to make these, you know, really hard ethical decisions. You get things wrong, and you're a constant influence and presence, you know, for the good, for the bad. But either way, you know, you're there. So I, I like when that, that pokes through, you know, the, the veil of humor and other things, it's often what makes me, you know, respect portrayals of the Doctor um, a lot more when, when you see that side as well. A lot, sure. of, a lot of people actually consider this story to be the start of, of the massive time war between the Daleks and Gallifrey. Because yeah, because Davros is all like, and I'm going to go and attack Gallifrey and we will well, beat them. But, and then the Doctor uses the Hand of Omega, which is from Gallifrey. It's a stellar manipulator. And he actually uses that to destroy Scaro. And that's where yeah, things well, start you know, going south. worse because he makes the Daleks, do, or makes Davros do it. Well, yeah. Davros does it to himself. True. But, and that's why, but the doctor probably already knew that Davros was going to do it anyway. Well, so. yeah, the yeah, doctor set him up to do it. Exactly. Just so, in case Davros survives, he feels really bad about it. Yeah, or he has a change of heart. What's also Maybe. interesting is you get kind of the uh, a preliminary approach to uh, the Daleks actually taking humans over their brains and actually kind of controlling them. Right, with the little them. girl. With the girl, well, that's the renegade Daleks, and then you get the headmaster at the school. And I should point out that the headmaster is played by Michael Sheard, who is one of the most prolific actors in guest roles in Doctor Who's history. But he was more, like, manipulated by the Daleks than, like, controlled by them, right? Like, like he kind of... What's the difference? 
I think he was very much controlled. Well, I mean, he kept I, listening, and and he's like, "No, I don't want to do it." And then he's like, "Yeah, okay, I'll do it." Well, but they, they, well, I guess it's like they were like convincing him to do it. Whereas with the girl, it was like as soon as that connection to the Daleks went away, she was just a normal girl. <laughs> Going back to Michael Sheard, he's also well known for being in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade as Hitler. He is also the admiral in Empire Strikes Back that gets completely strangled by Darth Vader. Mm. So he's not exactly uh, scared of of larger movies or, or larger entities. Lots of franchises. He's been in lots of franchises. Um, but any rate, um, but yeah. But, but any rate, like, what about this episode, like, just about to get really self-reflexive and meta and mention its own self? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gets cut off. You can say it doesn't do it, but, you know, you see the BBC program, the the new show starting Doctor Who. <laughs> and that's really interesting because this was the 25th anniversary year for Doctor Who. And a lot of people... Now, Silver Nemesis, which we've already podcasted on, actually was the 25th anniversary special. But a lot of people consider this to be the true 25th anniversary special because... They do kind of reference Doctor Who in it, and this is a better story. It is, it's basically the same thing as Silver Nemesis, but way better. I mean, even if you just describe the premise to, of each story to me, it seems like this one would be the clear, you know, winner. You know, and on I, the scale, you have a Dalek Civil War in the mix. I mean, come on. And when we were looking it up yesterday, and like the guy, who, like the main writer on this story, had like it's, it was his first story. Yeah, Ben Aronovich. and But he went on to write more Doctor Who, including for the, a lot of the novelizations for The Seventh Doctor. It was all downhill from here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But, I mean, he was a good writer. He, he definitely... Well, I mean, clearly this was a good story. Exactly. Um, but we also had kind of a, a little bit of a love interest for Ace in this particular story with Sergeant yeah. Mike. Yeah, for a little bit. Mike, uh, Mike the, the, the Nazi Dalek lover. <laughs> yeah, well, he obviously was misguided and mis, uh, totally misjudged who to count on. Yeah, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it was a really, uh, you know, strong point where Ace is like, he's like, you know, I'm sorry I didn't know that, you know, it was the dogs. And she's like, screw you. <laughs> yeah. Ace gets pretty, uh, you know, badass with her bat. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that this is... Hand of Omega bat. This is an iconic yeah. moment where Ace gets her bat charged up by the Hand of Omega. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it comes back later somewhere. I don't want to say where, but we've already podcasted on it, so it doesn't matter. Um, but, yeah, it's really kind of cool how the the bat is, is taking down this Dalek, and Ace jumps through that window. That actually hurt Ace. Sophie Aldred, because she actually uh, damaged her ankle doing or knee or something going through that oh, yes. window, um, and that's why she's limping away from the Daleks when when it gets to the cliffhanger, and she's got all the Daleks coming down on her. When the doctor, when Sylvester McCoy actually goes to examine the ankle or that leg, that leg was actually mangled from that mm, gritty realism. Yeah. Um, Another uh, interesting uh, character and a great sequence or a great scene um, happens in the diner where the doctor is talking to one of the people behind the counter and that person happens to be the same person who plays Jeffrey in um, Fresh Prince. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. 
Uh, that particular scene um, I thought was so well written and is one of the most iconic scenes from the classic era. It the doctor talking about sugar cane and and all that and the rippling effects through time and what happens, and I I think that was when Doctor Doctor started to really kind of reflect upon itself in a lot of ways. Not to mention that they mentioned Doctor Who in the story too. All right, we probably need to go on a rant about all the different references that are in here. First of all, we obviously got 1963 Totters Lane, I Am Foreman Sign, which is where the Doctor originally landed his TARDIS. Another reason why this should have been the 25th anniversary. Took on Foreman as, you know, his fake last name and Susan's, and he put Susan in school, like Whole Hill High School, for God knows what reason, because frankly, she knew like way more than the teachers there, as we find out when, you know, the Doctor kidnaps them. But anyhow. He wanted her to have more of a normal Earth-based life if she was going to be on Earth. Yeah, right. And, and I mean, I was much more socially motivated than learning motivated, you know, when I was in high school. Well, and also she didn't know the customs and traditions and all the, like, the the, the dances and all that kind of stuff. All that kind of really cool stuff that she wanted to, or that, that the doctor wanted her to experience because they were stuck on Earth or in his mind they were going to be there for a while. That's a fair point. Um, we also got unit in this, don't we? Well, basically, uh, they know. have a. I don't know if it's unit though. It's definitely because it this like is something. It's something's there. It, well, don't it's forget secret. this is 1963, so this is kind of predating the unit. Oh era. yeah, that's true. So we've got group. That's why the doctor says brigadier, and the group captain Gilmore is like, "No, I'm group captain <laughs> Gilmore. I'm not a brigadier." Um, but there, the one cool thing about uh, group captain Gilmore and Rachel Jensen and Allison, this kind of three-person team is that it kind of reflects the similarities of unit where you had john benton mike yates and the brigadier and plus it's a military organization working with the doctor to fight against an alien threat exactly a lot more incompetency if if you and i will say this if you do actually like this group of people then it actually they have a whole audio series based on these characters with Allison, the actors who play Allison, Rachel, and Gilmore, they all come back hmm. for the audio series. Um, but yeah, it's I I really thought that I mean there's a lot going into the characterizations. You actually care about these people. You didn't want to see anybody get destroyed, or at least the the military people that were helping the doctor. No, but they, they, I saw so many of them just, like, run to their doom, you know? Like, they did not know what they were doing. Yeah. Know? And, and, you know, that's that's a typical reaction, you know, when you see a tin can or when you're the apex predator and all of your tools of death and destruction always work. Yeah. But, For you know, sure. I think that's what also made the Daleks just that much more of a menacing force again here in this episode because you see how futile human weapons and efforts you know really seem to be and you really see like how many people died when the daleks were not there for them like that was all collateral damage to the daleks they were only here to get the hand of omega and to battle against each other and just the fact that earth got caught in the crosshairs is entirely the doctor's fault for hiding the hand of omega here and you know so like but like still they come in and they're just like this you know, massive force of destruction to everything around them when they're just, like, cruising through. Yeah. And uh, that's also kind of, like, 
an extra layer of menacing for the Daleks, you know, when they're not actually focused. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. We also had the, da- the Dalek shuttlecraft, which was an incomplete spaceship landing and taking off from... Playground. From the playground, which I thought was quite a decent-sized set for such a small production. I mean, it, it made the scale of it feel a little bit better. Now, it did seem a little odd that the Doctor could simply just go to the top of it and jump jump into the Dalek <laughs> spacecraft. That was a little bit odd. Um, and uh, Well, I mean, that's kind of like how you get into a tank, too. Yeah, I just didn't know that... I, I'm, I'm just questioning the dimensions of it, too. Is it supposed to be oh, bigger yeah. on the inside because you've got so many Daleks coming out of it and it looks too small for that? Or is it just, I don't know, maybe they're all in there nice and compact and you only have the one the one operator have all the room where the doctor can actually <laughs> move around in. It just seemed a little odd. But uh, I guess that's my really only, my only gripe about this episode. I mean, they're really... The pacing was great. The pacing, the music was on edge. It was a lot of percussion. So you're on, it's like just constant motion and constant go, go, go. And da, 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 da. there's a lot of that going on too. And the direction, woof. You're just constantly moving. Yeah, and there was a lot of great, you know, like character development for Ace and the Doctor in it, really. Yeah. I love the sequence, the cool sequence where where Ace is like, well, fine, if you're, if you don't like my driving, you drive. And then in the next scene, you see Ace being thrown across the, the van as the Doctor takes over. So a little bit of the humor that the Doctor has is still there. And of course, when he goes to get the hand of Omega, and he of course walks out, and the the poor uh, the poor guy that's in charge of the the place is like, what? And then he faints. That's yeah. There's still some slapstick thrown in, for good measure, I guess. I really liked yeah, the part where the good humor. Yeah, you know, sorry. There's 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 witty lines for sure. You really like the. I really liked the part where the like Dalek battle computer turns back into little girl and Ace just like immediately recognizes it and just starts comforting her. Like that's just like a companion who just instantly got gets it, you know. I mean, I feel like a lot of the companions would probably do that. Yeah, but usually not in like. They just haven't really explored that too much up to this point. Because this is one of her first stories. It's her very second story. Right. So, like, like, she just got on the TARDIS and came out and immediately was able to handle a situation like that, which is a pretty weird situation to be able to, like, recognize when someone is or isn't possessed by an alien that lives in a tin can. You know, like, (laughs) like, she really kind of handled it really well. And, you know, most companions take, like, a couple stories before they get to that level. And, you know, it was just another, you know, way of, you know, just Ace being awesome. To be fair, though, Ace was whisked off in a time storm over to Ice World from Perryville. So she's already kind of had a a space and time adventure that no other companion really has had, unless you count Romana, because Romana's obviously a time lady. But you've got, I mean, that's kind of... A given that Ace already has been through a, a decent amounts, and 
I think Ace is just a very compassionate character. She she knows what hurt is. She was she was talking to Mel in the previous story about um, about her family and that she didn't really belong. Feel like she belonged. She they always called her Dorothy and she wanted to be called be known as Ace. She's like a very typical teenager who doesn't get her parents and who doesn't really understand things. But she probably would get the kid that. Um, was taken over by the Daleks and then just kind of thrown off when the Daleks were destroyed. But yeah, but she also handled things really well with that Mike guy who she, you know, really liked and then, you know, felt betrayed by and was like, no, you're a horrible person. Very and like, mature. It, yeah, really like this whole story. She was, you know, really mature and on top of things. I, I think it's also a, sl- a definite change between Dragonfire and Remembrance of the Daleks so I'm guessing there probably were some adventures between her and the professor. I'll say the professor at this point because um, uh, there's obviously growth between them that we didn't see on screen because obviously the last story was her first. So there's very little time on screen to actually have that kind of development. But it's quite obvious there was development and it was already there. Um, I, I mean, I think it, it just shows how awesome aces and i think also the writing i mean the writing for this story allows her to be that awesome companion that a lot of people look up to she's more like a modern day companion if you took the seventh doctor era you could take season 24 lump it in with easily with the classic series but the new but the 25th and 26th season especially 26th season is far more like a newer uh uh storyline or arc because you've got those kind of arcs that take over the whole season as opposed to just um just the individual stories that we got from and and if you want to hear more about how ace contributed to that check out our women of doctor who podcast Mm -hmm. go on (laughs) colin forgot what he was saying i'm sorry Oh, um, one thing I will say is that I believe that this is probably Davros's weakest story. He kind of becomes more of a shouty kind of uh, Davros and doesn't really do a whole lot. I, I mean, I like the reveal that he's the Emperor Dalek, but at the same time, I'm just like... Well, he blew up a planet in this one. Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> it. Yeah, I mean, if you take if you look at Revelation of the Daleks, that is a good Davros story. Genesis and Genesis of the Daleks too. Yeah, those two are like true Davros stories. If you want to see a Davros story, I would highly recommend those. And Terry Malloy really pulls off the the cool, calm, collected Davros, but seething underneath because he's so annoyed with having to deal with all these creatures that he doesn't want to deal with, and he does that so well in Revelation of the Daleks. And in this case, it's more just like he's very static and he has to be static because he's the emperor. And then finally, when he's revealed, he has a very small chance to just be a shouty mess. And there really isn't a whole lot of character development for Davros. And I will say that is one negative that I'll put in there. And I forgot about that. And I hear that. I think it's less of a Davros episode for sure. Yes. Um, But I don't think that's a weakness of the episode either. I I think it's really fun to have it just kind of as a twist. Is Davros. Not to say that this is Davros at his, at his best, but I, I think it's a little 
Davros enhancer to the story rather than a, a fantastic Davros-focused story. It's fantastic for other reasons, and it gives you a little spice, a little umbrella on your martini glass of an episode that is Davros. Okay, so I have to ask both of you. What do you think about the Doctor walking up to the Black Dalek and talking it to death? <laughs> um, well, <laughs> perhaps, perhaps a little implausible, but, but you know, maybe not. I, um, it was a pretty weak-willed Dalek. Which is strange it because... Was, it's, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, I have to admit. You know, there's, there, I thought it had a good entertainment value. You, you know the problem with it? And, like, I know this is, like, a really unfair criticism just based on when these came out, but, like, they did it so much better in the story Dalek in the Ninth Doctor yes. era when the Dalek commits suicide after, you know, understanding the state of the world and the fact that he doesn't have, you know, commands coming. And it was just such a you know powerful and emotional scene and then like looking at this one is just like the doctor's like well it's just you you got no point to live anymore and Dalek's like you're right doctor better kill myself <laughs> and that's so strange because the black Dalek seemed <laughs> to be the strongest of the renegade Daleks it just it, it kind of came in with so much vigor and, and determination to to get where it needed to get. And I feel like Daleks normally like come in a situation like, I'm the only Dalek here? Well, sweet, that means I get to kill everybody. <laughs> yeah, and so it just, it seemed to go against the whole idea that this was the actual renegade black Dalek. It, it kind of undermined it to a degree that felt a little inge- ingenuous. I think to, that's a fair criticism. Yeah. I don't I, I line with that, but... Um, but yeah, it was kind of fun in the moment, but yeah, it, it, it is detracting in that sense for sure. Well, I think we've covered most of the bases with this. What ground? Do you, do you so I'll ratings? hit the ground running with ratings. I'll just run run right forward into it. Just like a lot of this plot, you know, it, it keeps it going. I think it's at a, at a good pace, and you know, I, I have a lot to say about pacing and my feelings about episodes. But, you know, I, I think it was, you know, at bottom line, what it needs to be. It's a well-written story. Mm-hmm. It was executed as a well-acted story. It came through with the right effects, and it ha- and I think you know after seeing it a couple of times, it has true replayability. Yeah, and I think that's warranted by Michael's twenty viewings <laughs> over his lifetime. <laughs> that's a guesstimate. It guesstimated. <laughs> <laughs> it's just but that a lot of people like watching it. I can see why it's warranted. Um, it, it does. It has a, a Dalek Civil War in it with a flavor of Davros, um, you know, with Sylvester McCoy, you know, finding his darkness and uh, good development with Ace. Other characters throughout that you care about that, you know, have impact on the story um, with also historical nods to the past. Um, it, it's objectively a, a well-done, well-rounded episode. Um, but, you know, I, I think we, we did air that there were some opportunities for improvement. There, there are a couple of things that weren't great. Um, you know, but, but also for me, you know, it, I also like, I get a lot of value out of the, you know, philosophy that Doctor Who brings to the table from time to time. And I feel like this was a, a great, fun episode, but it didn't lean so much on that for me either. So it's not something I'm going to spend time repeating in my head, even if I can go back and, and watch it you know, at another time and, and still enjoy and take away something from it. That being said, I think it's a stellar episode. It's getting 9 out of 10 for me. 
and you know that that's coming big from the classic era with my own known biases. Was it a manipulative stellar accent? Oh, I'll <laughs> give it. I'll give it that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just reversing stellar manipulator. <laughs> anyway, Shelby. All right. Um. Yeah. Uh, I. I I agree with all the things Colin just said. Um, I think this was a really excellent episode. I think it was very, you know, entertaining and well-executed and well-written. And although we found a few flaws, and although, you know, it being such a, you know, long story comparison to modern day, I'm less likely to, you know, rewatch it as much as some of my favorite New Who, um, I'm still going to give this one a 10. Wow. Going straight for the 10. I don't think in in this story that some of the shortcomings actually detract from the storytelling. I think it even those tend to flow nicely, which is what makes this story the best Sylvester McCoy story that's there. With that said, I also think that this story has a lot of nostalgia for almost every single fan. It's very, very rare to find a fan that doesn't like this story. Some probably don't put it as high as others, but for the most part, this story typically finds its way into the top 25 classic stories of all time, or higher. Um, I would have to say this was my favorite, um, one of my favorite stories from the 80s era, so that's saying a lot, considering that uh, <laughs> it's a Sylvester McCoy story, and I'm more towards Peter Davison and Colin Baker, um, but... Yeah, I'm going to give this a 9.8. It's just shy of the 10. For wow, me. that's getting really specific. It uh, had, I had to get that specific because I, I wanted you, to give did it... Did you, though? I well, wanted to give it... we're going there, I'm going to revise my answer. This is actually a 9.2 of an episode in my Okay, opinion. that's fair. That's and, fair. And I will go there. I, I try and hold back. Well, why not a 9.27853? <laughs> Only because my mental capacity doesn't go past a couple digits. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is later at night. Yeah, I'll get that. And with daylight savings time, it's actually darker earlier. So we're dealing with that too. Any rate, well, thank you for listening to this episode or of the Hoovian Review. I'm Michael. I'm Shelby. And I'm Colin. And thank you for your thoughts. Um, keep you know sending us your emails. Sign us up for your grinder accounts. You know. <laughs> Wait uh, a minute! What? No! Please don't do that. Yeah, we found you guys. Stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Any rate, have a good night, everyone. Bye.